And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18-20 Proclaiming the gospel is the mission of the church. God's desire is for His glory to be declared among all peoples. We all have a role to play, whether that's praying, giving, or going. Ascending church culture starts locally and spreads globally because the mission of the church is both local and global at the same time. We send disciples to seize today's gospel moments. Our everyday moments become go moments when we seize the opportunity to make Jesus known. We send disciples on go trips to proclaim the gospel. We send disciples on go seasons to proclaim the gospel. Go seasons are strategic midterm mission trips, usually two months to two years. We send disciples to go stay on strategic long-term mission appointments. Well, good morning, church family. It's really, really good to be with you this morning, bright and early, and glad you're here. I'm glad you're here any weekend, but I'm especially glad to get to be here and Jesus on came this and weekend. Said to them, this is what we call neighbors and nations, and if you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, you know that we absolutely believe to the core of our being that our God is worthy to be made known, amen, among our neighbors and among the nations of the world. And a couple times a year, we do this thing called Neighbors and Nations just to, to focus on this calling and commissioning that God has given us as a local church. So you guys are in for a special challenge and treat this morning. My friend Paul Aiken is here, and uh, he's going to challenge you this morning from God's Word. Now, let me give you some credentials, and then I'm going to tell you some things, some other things about Paul. Uh, he is the dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions and Evangelism at the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, one of the reasons Paul's here this weekend is he's been investing in our cohort, our seminary cohort, our students who are part of that. Many of you have been a part of that. So he's been here for a couple days investing in those guys, and we're thankful for that. Uh, he served cross-culturally in uh, Central Africa. East Africa and the, the Middle East. East Africa, Middle East area. And uh, most of all, he just has a heart for the nations, a heart that Jesus has made known. He, he walks with God, and we're honored to be challenged from God's Word by him this morning. Uh, wife Carrie. Carrie. Four kids. Four kids. So he's a busy guy. Yep. Uh, originally from Dallas. And yes, he is a Dallas Cowboy fan. So I think that's probably the most important thing you need to know this morning. That's right. This is our year, I think. <laughs> anyway. So glad you're here this morning, church. Uh, my prayer, my hope, my trust for all of us is we will hear from the Lord and say, what's our next step in fulfilling the Great Commission? What does that look like for each of us where God has called us and planted our lives? So uh, join with me. Uh, first, would you just welcome Paul here this morning? Let him know we're glad he's here. Thank you. Ready to hear from God's Word. And why don't you join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray for Paul. Pray for our own hearts uh, that we'll be receptive to God's Word this morning. So would you just join me in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege. God, I thank you for what we just sang about, Lord, that we are privileged to be known by you. Lord, you have redeemed us. You've called us. You've set us apart. You've given us a purpose to live, to make you known. God, I pray our heart this morning is wherever you lead, we will follow. Lord, if that's across the street or that's to the other side of the planet, Lord, we 
submit ourselves to you this morning as your people. Uh, Father, I pray for your ambassador here this morning, for Paul. I pray that you'll speak through him, through Psalm 67. Lord, let it be fresh on our hearts. Uh, Holy Spirit of God, I pray you illumine our minds, illumine our hearts, Lord, and make us receptive to your word. And then, Lord, I pray that we're not merely hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word. And we walk in absolute obedience to you. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' great name we pray together. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, good morning. I do bring greetings to you from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. We're, we're grateful for this church and the, and the partnership that we get to have together in the gospel. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this for, for a really long time. Uh, I was trying to make it here last year at some point and had a schedule conflict. And so really glad that 2021 was the year that I'm able to, to be with you all uh, and eager to be here. I do need to give you a quick word of warning this morning, uh, a word of warning probably to Pastor Mike. Uh, he did not mention this, but my dad has actually preached here before. He is also Dr. Aiken. Um, and after you hear my sermon, there's a, a decent chance that you're going to understand why they call him Dr. Aiken the Greater, and they call me Dr. Aiken the Lesser. So that is just kind of the reality, so I'm going to kind of lean in and I'm going to embrace that this morning, but really, really excited to be here with you this morning. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 67. We're going to be reading that passage in, in a moment, but before we dive in and start reading from Psalm 67, I want to take you back with me, uh, take you back to a time almost 20 years ago when God turned my world upside down. Uh, almost 20 years ago, I, I found myself as uh, in between the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, found myself on a short-term mission trip. Uh, and I know you all called them go trips to Southeast Asia. I was going to be spending a month in Southeast Asia, two weeks in Cambodia, two weeks in Vietnam. And it was during the time in Vietnam that the Lord really turned my world upside down. We were on college campuses. We were meeting Vietnamese college students. And early on in that trip, I met a, a college student who was my age named Kevin. Kevin was not his real name, but Kevin was the name that I could pronounce. And so he said, just call me Kevin. And so Kevin and I struck up a friendship and a relationship and pretty soon found ourselves having lunch together in this Vietnamese cafe. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. Kevin and I were sitting in this cafe having lunch together. And pretty soon the conversation moved to spiritual matters. And I just remember in passing saying something about the name Jesus. And I just kind of kept on going. And Kevin said, hold on a second. In his broken English. And he said, who? And I said, you know, Jesus. And he said, no, I, I've never heard of him. I've never heard of him. And in that moment, God turned my world upside down. You see, like many of you, I had grown up in the southern United States, and I had heard in church all my life, there are people around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. And I just thought that was something that preachers said. And here I was sitting across the table. I'm in a large modern city where there's Coca-Cola and there's cars and there's all kinds of other stuff. But the guy that I'm looking at has never heard of Jesus before. And God used that to change the course and trajectory of my life. And as Pastor Mike mentioned, that 
ended up leading me and my family to East Africa and eventually on to the Middle East. And one of the things that we discovered as we were living in Africa and living in the Middle East is that there are many, many, many other people just like Kevin. People who have never heard the good news of the gospel. And so I want you to let that reality soak in for a moment. We, we hear these things, we've heard these stats, these figures before, and oftentimes they kind of go in one ear and out the other. And the only thing that's worse than, than not knowing the data is knowing the data, but not doing anything about it. And so we realize pretty quickly that there are billions of people around the world that are just like Kevin. Billions of people that As far as we know, they're being born, they're living their entire lives, and they're dying without ever hearing the good news of the gospel. They don't know what Jesus did for them on the cross. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to ask you a question as we think about this theme of neighbors and nations. I want to ask you a question that I asked myself on the plane ride home from Southeast Asia almost 20 years ago. And here's the question. Why have I heard the gospel when so many other people have not? Why was I born where I was born? Why have the events and circumstances of my life been ordered in the way that they've been ordered? Why have I heard the gospel when so many others have not? And I think we find the answer to that question in Psalm 67. So turn with me to Psalm 67 and we're going to read this passage and text together this morning. Psalm 67, the psalmist writes, May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. There are three truths that I want us to hear from this word this morning. Three truths that I think have significant implications for your life and significant implications for my life. Truth number one, God has blessed us so that the world will know him. God has blessed us so that the world will know him. Psalm 67 is an anonymous psalm. That means we don't know who wrote it and we don't know when it was written. Some people say maybe it was David, but scholars are divided on that. We really don't know who wrote this psalm. But what we do know is that this psalm, like many other psalms, is a song and a prayer, meant to be sung and meant to be prayed. But as we look at verse 1, we see that this language is not entirely New. In fact, this language is almost taken verbatim from Numbers 6, 24 through 26, which is commonly referred to as the blessing of Aaron. And so what the psalmist is doing here is he's pointing his readers back to a previous blessing, to a previous prayer. But notice how he starts in verse 1. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine Upon us. From the beginning of this chapter, we must acknowledge what the psalmist is saying here. And what he's saying is that God's grace is the source of all benefits and blessings in this life. 
God's grace is the source of all benefits and blessings in this life. The God who created you, the God who created me, he is a gracious God. Amen? And so the psalmist prays that God would be gracious, that God would bless, that God would make his face shine upon us. Notice here the the blessings of God are pictured in physical terms with God's face shining on his children. The idea here is almost like a, a father on Christmas morning giving good gifts to his children and just this beaming expression on his face as he's seeing his children enjoy these gifts. But then as we read in our Bibles, we see this word that shows up in the margin. This word, sila. We're all familiar with this word, but whenever we see this word in the Psalms, what is it that the author is telling us to do? He's telling us to, to slow down, to, to pause, and to reflect. But he's not telling us to stop, at least not here. Notice at the end of verse 1, there's, there's the word sila, there's a pause, but there's no period. Why? Well, because the thought is not yet complete. The author's telling us, yes, pause, yes, reflect, but don't stop. Keep going, keep reading. And it's in verse 2 where we discover the purpose of God's blessings. So that, so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. So that God blesses his people so that he will be praised among all. All the peoples. And this is where Psalm 67 reminds us to go back even further from the book of Numbers all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Listen to what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and you'll see a connection here with Psalm 67. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So God made this promise to Abraham in Genesis 12. And now the psalmist is in a way repeating this promise and reminding his readers of God's mission and purpose to bless the peoples of the world. To extend salvation far beyond the people of Israel to the ends of the earth. Now this truth became very real to me a few years ago as I had the opportunity to travel into the Amazon jungle. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the country of Brazil. Anybody here? A couple of hands in the back. Okay, a couple of you have been to Brazil. So, so me and a small group of guys got on a plane uh, in the States and we flew down to Brazil. Uh, once we got down there, we took another two-hour plane ride and then we took a 30 minute drive and then we took a two hour boat ride and then we had an eight mile hike deep into the heart of the Amazon jungle. Now we were joined with an IMB missionary who was, who was leading us and guiding us. Very thankful for that. I'm not, a, um, I'm not the most rugged guy. You know, Pastor Mike's kind of, a, kind of a rugged, kind of mountain looking guy. He's got the beard and he's, you know, kind of well built and all that. I'm kind of a, a weak, wimpy uh, city guy. So going into the Amazon jungle was, was no joke for me. Uh, I would say that that's probably the most aggressive environment that I've ever found myself in. Uh, Just a very intense place. We had to sleep suspended in the air on these like little hammock type things in these enclosed nets. And I asked the guy we were with, I was like, why do we have to sleep in the air? And he was like, well, it's, it's at nighttime when the predators come out. Like, oh, okay. So like while I'm laying there hanging as a, as a bag of meat, 
that is when the predators come out. I said, what kind of predators are we talking about? He said, well, there are jaguars. Uh, and as far as we know, the jaguar jaw is strong enough to bite through a human skull. Okay, good to know. There are bushmaster snakes. I said, what happens if I get bit by a bushmaster snake? He's like, well, we'll try to get you back on the boat, try to get you upriver to a hospital, but most likely we probably won't make it. Okay, <laughs> probably should let my wife know this before I hopped on this trip. Uh, there are leaf cutter ants. He said, you can't leave your backpack on the floor or on the ground because the leaf cutter ants will literally bite through your backpack. I'm telling you, this was a very intense environment. But as we were on that trip, our, our IMB missionary ended up connecting us with several indigenous men who had grown up in the Amazon jungle. They were part of a small tribe, about 150 people uh, living deep in the interior of the jungle. And so we would spend time with these men in the evenings. And you can imagine in the, in the jungle, in the rainforest, when the sun goes down, there's no electricity. And so it gets dark really, really fast. And so once the sun went down, we would set up our, our spot around a rock and we would cook our dinner. And as we were eating dinner, we would share stories with each other all through a translator. And so these indigenous men would tell us stories about their tribe and about their people. And we would then tell them stories from the Bible. And it was fun to have this conversation through the translator. And the last night that we were there, we had the opportunity to share the full gospel story. We went from creation to Christ and trying to make sense of the world and the sin that we see, but also the redemption and the forgiveness that's available in Christ. And so we're sharing these stories through a translator. And after we share, there's silence for three or four minutes. Nobody says anything. And we're kind of wondering wonder how they took that story, how they're processing through that. And then eventually one of the men spoke up and through a translator, he said, you need to send more people to tell us stories like this. Our people, our tribe, we need to hear more stories just like this. So why did God save you? Why did God save me? God has saved you. God has saved me. God has blessed us so that his way may be known on earth and his saving power among all nations. All nations. Even those small remote tribes deep in the heart of the Amazon jungle. Now, I need to bring a word of caution at this moment before we go any further this morning. And the word of caution is this. We're all tempted, and we don't realize it, but we are all tempted to disconnect the blessings of God from the purposes of God. Our tendency is to, to disconnect the blessings of God from the purposes of God. You say, what do you mean, Paul? Well, let's be honest and transparent with each other this morning. We read verse 1, and all of us love verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine on us. We live in a, in a me-centered culture, and we love the idea of God blessing us. Okay, we want to cling to that truth. We want to shout that. We want to hang that verse on the wall of our houses. But verse 2 is where it gets real. Why has God been gracious to us? Why has God blessed us? So that. So that your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation among all the nations. You see, we think that God has saved us or blessed us because there's something great in us or because we deserve God's grace, or we deserve God's blessings. The reality is, is we're not great. We know that. But He is great. And so He saved us because He wants us to tell neighbors and nations that He is great. And this is the, the disconnect. 
We're tempted to think that God's blessed us because in some way we deserve his blessings. Let me let you in on a little bit of a secret this morning. It may not be a secret to you because I know this is a missions-minded church. But God ultimately does not need us to accomplish his mission. That may be different than what you've heard in churches growing up where the preacher is telling you week in and week out, kind of beating you over the head. You need to go do this, you need to go do that, you need to go do this, you need to go do that. At the end of the day, God's going to accomplish his mission with or without us. He doesn't ultimately need us. But God chooses to use us. Now I want to give you just a, a quick illustration of, of, of why we see this is true. A few years ago around Christmas time, uh, my oldest is, is a boy. His name is Micah. And somebody had given us this manger kit uh, for a father and son to put together a little manger. It was, you know, the, the wood was already pre-cut. There were nails in there. It was very, very simple. They made it so simple that even this PhD could figure out how to nail this thing together and make a manger. So I was given this uh, as a gift, and it was like, hey, you can do this with your son. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll ask Micah to join me. Now, could I have put that manger set together by myself? Yes. Could I have probably done it faster and more efficiently by myself than with my son? Yes. But I chose to use my son in the process. Why? Because I wanted him to do it with me. I wanted him to experience it with me. I wanted him to enjoy the process of doing that with his father. The same thing is true for us as it relates to God's mission. God doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. And in his kindness, he's extended an invitation for us to join him in what he is doing. We're his messengers. We are his ambassadors. He wants the world to know the good news of the gospel. The world needs to know that the creator God of the universe sent his sinless son, Jesus, to die on the cross for their sin. And that his sacrifice perfectly covered over all of their sin. And that his resurrection from the dead demonstrated his power over sin and death. And that he has made that salvation available to all people. Tri-Cities, we have been blessed. We have been saved so that we can share this news with neighbors and nations. So that we can be a channel that God uses to be a blessing to the nations. Now in many ways I know that I'm preaching to the choir here. Your reputation precedes you. You are known as a, a missional people, a people who have a passion for the Great Commission. But I think all of us, if we're honest this morning, we're tempted to, to disconnect the blessings of God from the purposes of God. And we need to be reminded daily that God has blessed us so that the world will know him. Truth number two, and we're going to pick up the pace a little bit. God has blessed us so that the world will worship him. God has blessed us so that the world will worship him. Notice verses three through five. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. For you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. The psalmist here is calling the nations to, to acknowledge, to recognize, and ultimately to worship God. As we examine this missionary psalm, we would do well to remember the words of John Piper who wrote in the opening pages of his missions book, Let the Nations Be Glad, he wrote these words. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship 
doesn't. That might strike you as surprising or strange, but it's true. Missions exist because there are billions of people around the world who are not worshiping the God who created them. They're not worshiping the God who loves them and who died for them. So worship fuels mission, mission fuels worship. The two go together all throughout the Psalms. And in verse 4, the psalmist gives us two reasons for the people to rejoice and to worship God. Number one, he says, God judges the nations with fairness. God judges the peoples with fairness. Now, the judgment here is not so much referring to God's wrath or his condemnation as much as it's referring to his right administration in the world. You can almost translate it, you govern the peoples. And the notion of with fairness or with equity conveys the idea of absolute equality. Under God's rule, all people are treated equally. None are shown favoritism. Now, I mentioned earlier, or Pastor Mike mentioned that, that we have four kids. And for the most part, you know, they're, they're pretty good kids. But sometimes my kids in um, maybe their less spiritual moments will, will try to, to claim or, as I like to say, they will in sin you ate, that uh, maybe I'm being more fair towards one child than I am to the other. And so they'll come to me and they'll try to make their case and they'll make their argument, Dad, you did this for him and you didn't do this for me. And, and so they'll lay out their argument. They're good little lawyers and they can make their case. And, and I'll listen and I'll take it in. But then I will respond the same way that my dad responded to me probably a thousand times. And this is the response. Okay, I understand what you're saying, but guess what? Life is not fair. Life's not fair, so stop whining, get over it, get out of my face. Right? That may be the way that, that I respond, but that's not true with God. He always judges with fairness. He always judges with equity. Peter says in Acts 10.34, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. When God judges, there's no consideration of skin color, intelligence, nationality, place of birth, socioeconomic status. God judges with fairness. And as a result, he's worthy of our worship. Reason number two, God's worthy of our worship, is he leads and guides the nations on the earth. The word translated as, as lead or guide is the same word used in Psalm 23 to describe how God as our good shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. The psalmist here is indicating that God is sovereign over the nations. He's in control of the nations. I don't know about you, but that's a comforting thought for me. As we think about the world around us, we, we think about the instability and the things that are going on around the globe. It is comforting and good for us to know that God is in control. That he's leading the nations. He's guiding them according to his purpose and his plan. When we consider these truths, that God judges with fairness, that God judges with equity, and that he's leading and guiding the nations on the earth, our only proper response is worship. God has blessed us so that the world will worship him. Number three, God has blessed us so that the world will fear him. The end of the psalm returns to the beginning with a prayer for God's blessing. It says, let the peoples praise you. God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. The ends of the earth there is figurative language for people living at the ends of the earth. What we might think of today is some of the most remote places on the planet. Not too long ago, I had an opportunity to go to one of these remote places. 
when I traveled with a group of guys into another area, traveled to the mountains of the Himalayas. I'd never been there before. I had seen the Rocky Mountains and thought those were amazing. And then I went to the Himalayas and it's like, whoa, 14,000 feet at the Rocky Mountains and 26 and 27,000 feet at the Himalayas. Just crazy high mountains looking at this and seeing God's beauty and creation. But then what we were doing was we were walking through. We took about six days to travel through about 50, 60 miles through these villages. And our goal was see if we can find any Christians, any churches, share with those that we meet along the way. And one of the things that we discovered as we went village by village by village is that there were no Christians, no churches, no gospel presence. And one night we were kind of reflecting on, on what we had been doing during the day. And, and one of the guys on our team said, you know, the most humbling thing about this trip is not that these people have never heard of Jesus. That's humbling. But he said, as far as we can tell in human history, there's never been a gospel presence in any of these villages. So not just for five years or ten years or fifty years or a hundred years or a thousand years. Since the beginning of time, as far as we could tell, there's never been a Christian or a church in any of these villages. And so as the psalmist is talking here about the ends of the earth, he's talking about those places. But not just those places. We can talk about the Amazon, we can talk about the Himalayas, but what about East Tennessee? What about right here around us with our neighbors? We all look around and we know there's brokenness all around us here in East Tennessee. We're surrounded by a community that's in need. Don't miss the point of what the psalmist is saying here today. God has blessed us for the salvation of people here and around the world. Now I want to say something quickly about this word blessed. You know, this word blessed, blessed, blessed is all over this chapter. This word blessed is pretty popular in both non-Christian and Christian circles, right? If you have social media, you look on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it's not uncommon to see somebody say, hey, got the new job promotion, hashtag blessed. Hey, just bought a new house, hashtag blessed. Hey, did, did, did this or did that, hashtag blessed. I've been guilty of it, you've probably been guilty of it, but here's the question. Do we ever pause and reflect long enough and ask the question, why have I been blessed? What's the reason, what's the purpose? Is this just for me? Is this just for my own enjoyment or my own pleasure? Or is there a, a greater reason and a greater purpose behind this Blessing. Truth number three, God has blessed us so that the world will fear him. Now I asked you a question at the beginning of our time together this morning. I asked the question, why have you and I heard the gospel when so many other people have not? Christians in the room, here's the point. God and his grace and his mercy has rescued you. He has redeemed you. He has saved you so that in and through you, the nations and your neighbors will know him, will worship him, and will fear him. That's why you've been created. That's why you were given life. That's why you've been given breath. That's why you've been saved. That's why you have been blessed. It's so that your neighbors and the nations will know the Lord, will worship him, and will fear him. So as we conclude our time, I just wanna share quickly two exhortations with you this morning. Based on these three truths, what are two exhortations for Tri-Cities this morning? Number one, this prayer must be constant on our lips. This is a prayer. Psalm 67 is a prayer. So let's pray this prayer. 
not in a, a mystical or a magical sense, but let's use this as a model prayer for our lives. Let's pray this individually. Let's pray this corporately. Do you realize that you can be engaged in God's Great Commission work every single day right where you are? And how is that? Through prayer. Getting on your knees and praying for lost people around you. God has put you here in this city. He's put you here in this place for a reason and for a purpose. Pray for the lost people around you. Pray for missionaries who are working around the world. The psalmist gives us a model prayer to pray. So let's pray this prayer. May this prayer be constant on our lips. Number two, this purpose must captivate our lives. Our lives are a mist and a vapor. We are here today and we are gone tomorrow. God wants to use us for the sake of our neighbors and nations. And as a result, we don't have time to play games with God's grace. We don't have time to play games with God's grace. The blessings of God were never intended to stop with you. They were always intended to flow through you to others. So try cities. Don't shy away or squander opportunities to engage in the gospel. I want to be clear this morning. Sometimes I preach a message like this and people think, well, that guy thinks everybody needs to pack up and move and go overseas. And that's not what I think. I'm not living overseas. You're not living overseas. Now, do I think that God is probably calling some of you to go and do that? Yeah, I do think so. And I think he'll make that clear in his timing and his way. So I think God is probably calling some of you to do that, but not everybody. But I do think that everyone in the room is supposed to leverage and to use the blessings of God for the purposes of God. And this means seizing go moments each and every day in your everyday life. God brings people into your presence and he gives you opportunities to be a blessing. That means some of you going on go trips. Some of you exploring go seasons. Maybe taking a summer or a semester, a year or two. To go join God in what he's doing around the world. And maybe for some of you it is a go stay. Three years or longer to plant your life among a people or a place, maybe in the Amazon jungle or in the Himalayas or maybe in a large city in Asia somewhere. Who knows? I don't know what it is for you, but I urge you this morning, don't waste the blessings of God. Use them for the spread of his gospel in the world. One pastor in reflecting on this psalm wrote these words. He says, in this psalm, the Lord has something more specifically to say to the American church and the church in the West. I have blessed you. Beyond the wildest dreams of any people in human history, I have blessed you with an unprecedented and overflowing wealth. This is not a curse, it's a blessing. But it will become a curse if you do not use it for what I have designed. And I would add that the Lord has something to say to Tri-Cities this morning. I have blessed you, Tri-Cities. I have blessed you with a good reputation in the community, with resources, with faithful pastors, and in the process, I have provided you an opportunity to use these blessings for the spread of the gospel in the world. So here's the question for today as we close. How will you steward these blessings? How will you serve this city? How will you as a church send disciples to neighbors and nations? Let's pray together. In a few moments, I'm going to pray. But before I pray, I want every person in this room with their head bowed to consider this question. 
God, in light of, of what I've read and what I've heard in your word today, what would you have me do in response? In light of what I've read, what I've heard, what I've seen in your word, what would you have me do in response? For some, it might be praying, devoting more time, more energy to praying for peoples here and around the world. For some, it may just be opening our eyes and seizing go moments that are right in front of us every single day. For others, it may be going, going on a go trip or exploring a go season. For others, it may be for the first time surrendering to Christ as King and Lord of your life. Maybe you've heard the gospel a hundred times, a thousand times, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, I want you to consider that question. Ask the Holy Spirit to impress on your heart how you, to, you are to respond to what we've read and what we've heard in Psalm 67 this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Lord, we are undeserving sinners. But because of your grace, because of your mercy, you have saved us, you've rescued us, you've redeemed us. And you want to use us Lord, what a joy and what a privilege it is for us to join you in your mission of redemption. Thank you for that invitation to be a part of seeing people's lives changed and transformed. And so, Father, we pray this morning with the psalmist, we pray that God may be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Amen.